I tell you what, I, I just get a sense today that God is here in a very real way. He is every time we gather together, but, but I just get this sense that there's something unique about God's presence here this morning, that he wants to speak to someone. Can I just ask that you open your heart to who God is today, whatever your experience of faith, whatever your journey, be open to who God is today. Is that okay? Man, we're going to have a good time in God's Word uh, today. So who, who's been enjoying the Psalm series over the last few weeks? We've been tracking for that a little while. This is our last Sunday in the Psalms ever. No, not ever, but so our last Sunday in the Psalms, we've had a great time. Pastor Ryan brought an awesome word last week, the power of praise and what praise changes. Tonight, we've got young blood, our youth pastor, Jottingham. He's going to be wrapping up our series. And this morning, well, yeah, you're stuck with me, but we, we've got the power of God's word. So we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. You know, we're, we're going to hit a Psalm this morning that, that many of you may know, many of you may have memorized, many of you may have internalized. For many of you, it might already be an anchor for you in every situation of life. And it's Psalm 23. And what I love about this psalm is, and in the context of the broader psalms, that in this psalm, we we get a, a metaphor for who God is that is intimate. We get a metaphor for who God is that is ever-present. A lot of the time in the Psalms, we get these great pictures of strength of who our great God is, the, like the mighty king or the fortress or the shield and all these incredible pictures of the strength of who God is. And then in Psalm 23, we see the picture of God presented by David as the shepherd. And the uniqueness about the shepherd in the context of the flock is that the shepherd is ever-present. In every situation, in every experience of the sheep, the shepherd is right there. And this is the picture of our great God that, that David the psalmist leads into in Psalm 23. He's talking about the presence of God and the reality that God is ever-present. So here's my question today, and as I reflect on this psalm, and I guess I, I'd love you to layer this psalm over your own individual experience of faith, but also who we are gathered as a church here at True North. And it's this question. If God is ever-present, if he is the shepherd that's there day in, day out, through the night, if he's ever-present, what do we find in his presence? What do we find in his presence? What do we find in the ever-present God? And we're going to head to Scripture. Psalm 23, verses 1 to 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. You know, you hear those words of Scripture and it's almost something compels you to take a deep breath. He refreshes my soul. I'm a little bit bunged up this morning, so it wasn't the, the cleanest deep breath. <laughs> but, but for you, it'll be a nice sense of the refreshing presence of God, like drawing in a full breath of lungs. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. What do we find in the presence of God? What do I find in the presence of God? I find my provision. I find my provision. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Going back to that picture of the shepherd, and when we think about who David is before he was a king, before he was a warrior, before he was slaying giants, what was he doing? 
He was looking after sheep. He was looking after sheep and he understood that that for the shepherd, you were there ever present in the lives of the sheep, but you were everything for the sheep. You guided them so they could eat. You guided them so they could drink. You protected them from wild animals. You were the midwife. You You were the vet. You were everything. So every experience of the sheep was provided for by the shepherd. And this is how David begins to wrap his mind around who God is and what he experiences in his presence. That every experience I face, that every scenario I navigate, God is with me and he is my provision. This is how David says, this is what we find in his presence. Provision. You know, if we focus back in on those couple of verses, really the key word that stands out to me is refreshment. The still waters, the green pasture, he refreshes my soul. He restores my soul. And there's so many moments in life that are draining, right? So many scenarios in life which cause us to lack for refreshment, whether it's a, a, a huge working week, whether it's the, the pressure and of being a parent and, or whatever it could be, there are things that drain our energy. You know, a classic one for me at the moment that, that many of you may relate to if you're in that parenting zone is, is kind of, you know, you, you've done a long day of work or maybe you've been at home looking after the kids and you kind of get to that bedtime yeah, for, for us, it's 7 o'clock. You get to that treasured moment where you've navigated the challenges of dinner time. You've navigated the challenges of bath time. You've navigated the challenges of toothbrushing. Is that a challenge for anyone else? Toothbrushing, right? Is that how you say that? Teeth brushing? Brushing the tooth, teeth of your child. My, my son has a particular aversion to that. But anyway, you navigate all these things. They're finally asleep. And for me, this is just the ultimate picture of refreshment. You sit down on the couch, the feet go, it doesn't really matter what else is going on. But in that moment, you're like, oh yeah, I can do this another day. But then what happens, and we have this joke in our our household, parenting after 7 o'clock is just not something you want to be doing. And when when it happens, sometimes you lose that space and it does something to you. And it's like, oh, I didn't have that, that moment of refreshment. I didn't have that space to recover and recuperate. Other things came up, maybe there's sickness, whatever it is. And without that space, you lack something. And again, this is what David speaks to into the provision of the presence of God. That when we are absent from his presence in the deep place in our soul, we actually lack something that we were created to experience in the refreshing presence of Jesus. I love that picture. That no matter what I experience, no matter what I navigate, God is there so I can keep going. I can keep moving forward. Now, as beautiful as a picture that is, it can sometimes cause us to limit what God actually brings to our life. You know, a little while ago, my dishwasher broke. Truly devastating. You know, when an appliance goes, it's always devastating. I reckon the dishwasher's in the top three. And it's just, oh no, I have to wash dishes by hand. What is this, the late 80s? 
It's really not that bad, right? But, but I discovered when my dishwasher broke, the problem was that the door wouldn't shut anymore. And because the door wouldn't shut, the dishwasher couldn't do its job. But I realized that if I could keep the door shut, it would do its job. So for a little while, I thought, maybe it's easier if I just lean against this for an hour <laughs> than actually have to take out a glass and wash it. You know, I could kind of see the TV from here if I... But then I came up with a better solution. I turned on my keen engineering mind and I developed this. Can we uh, take a look at this? Look at that. Come on. Come on. That's a dining room chair, a kitchen island, and a foam roller used to devastating domestic effect. Now what I've done there is done just enough Quite literally, just enough so that the dishwasher can keep being a dishwasher. I've done the bare minimum of keeping that thing going. And of course, it didn't last long. And my wife got home and saw that and she said, Phil, as genius as that is, I think we need another solution. And I'm like, fair. Fair call. Anyway, you can take that down. Now, here's the thought when I think of the, the provision that God has in our lives. Sometimes we can limit God to this idea that in his presence, I find just enough so I can keep being who I am. Just enough so I can keep going. Just enough so the next day I can wake up feeling like it's going to be okay. That we limit God to this place that says, if I can take just enough of who you are, God then I can keep being who I am. That it can be like a band-aid on my soul. But here's the great truth of Scripture, is that God doesn't come to bring just enough to keep us going, but God comes to make us new. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Jesus hasn't done just enough to make the old function at the most basic level. But sometimes we limit God to that in our life. That God does just enough so I can kind of function as a person of faith. But the truth is that God comes to renew me. Not to just to refresh, and there's great truth and promise and power in that picture. But God comes to do more than refresh my soul. But in Jesus, he comes to make it brand new. And someone say amen. amen. That's who our God is. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley... I'm sorry, the, the most modern NIV translations. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know if that's just the coolio in me or, or whatever that might be. If you're not familiar with that reference, see Pastor Dean after. He'd love to break it down for you. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. Again, the picture of the shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So sure is my security in you, God. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows with the presence of your spirit in my life. 
When I was a kid, I remember one particular night going out to dinner and, uh, and one of the, the young guys here at the church, he must have been about 20 or something at the time, his, his name was Glenn Bergsma. Some of you would remember, you would have heard Pastor Dean talk about him in, in helping us with our grant for the Merrill campus. And he took us out to dinner. I can't remember the context. Of the, I know it was a buffet. I think that was his kind of deal at the time. And it was either Pizza Hut or it was Sizzler. And it, when you're a young kid, that's just the dream, right? Going crazy on the ice cream thing. And as we were going home, we, uh, we essentially got mugged. Um, and it's not a joke. The two, two guys, they'd been drinking and carrying on, whatever. And they came up to one of the other kids and they were basically trying to take his money. And I remember Glenn had been a bit forward up in the pack as we were walking back home. And then he realized what was happening. And very calmly, very, very nicely, he went up to the guys and just tried to defuse the situation. And as he was doing that, one of them snuck up behind him with a bottle of whiskey and cracked him in the back of the head. And you know when you hear those thuds sometimes and the noise just stays with you for a lifetime? It was one of those kind of impacts. And it was as if it had no effect. It was as if it did nothing at all. And when you're like an 11-year-old boy and you see some guy get hit in the back of the head with the whiskey bottle and shake it off, you're like, this guy's Superman. (laughs) This guy is Superman. And then without throwing a punch, without doing anything particularly violent, Glenn had this guy immobilized on the floor and was essentially whispering him sweet nothings. (laughs) It's like, dude, you got to chill out. It's just a bunch of kids. We're going to walk home. You've got to walk the other direction or you're going to find yourself back on the pavement. And the guy, of course, walked the other direction. Now imagine this. There's like 10, 11-year-old kids. One 20-year-old guy that kind of in that moment seemed like a cross between Shaquille O'Neal and Andre the Giant. (laughs) And all of a sudden, all these kids who otherwise would have been terrified after a moment like that are walking with a swagger. Anyone else want to take my money? You see this dude? You see this dude? Yeah, I didn't think so. Just keep walking home. Now, had he not been there, had he not been there, we would have been terrified going home. I can't believe someone just took our money. We would have been trying to call our mums. We didn't have mobile phones. We'd go to the payphone or something. But the experience would have been totally different immediately after. Because here's what happened in that moment. Something came after me, but someone who was stronger went after it before it got close. This is what David's talking about. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Remember, David was a shepherd. And even when he went to, to challenge Goliath, when he saw that whole scenario, and Saul's like, I don't know, man, you're too small. What does he say? When I was a shepherd, a bear would come. I'd take my rod and I'd crack it on the head, and it wouldn't take my sheep. A lion would come. I'd take that same rod, I'd crack it on the head, and it wouldn't take my sheep. So Goliath's going to be the same. So here's the picture. David knows that as the shepherd, he goes out on behalf of the sheep against anything that would come to destroy them. And this is the picture of our God, that when something comes after me, God's already going after it. That is the power of God. You know, in Scripture, we see a picture 
of a lion roaring to try and take away who God calls us to be. A lion that would come to to devastate the flock, to, to destroy it, to roar his little roar. But you know what? There's a bigger lion with a louder roar, and he has your back. He has your back. And the rod that God carries, the rod that God carries, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's the power of the cross. It's the empty tomb. It's the resurrection. And when that thing comes out, whatever comes against us runs in fear. You know, the number one thing that will ever oppose my life, we're all going to face circumstances. We're all going to face challenges. We're all going to have those valley moments. But the number one thing that has the power to destroy me isn't a circumstance that this world might throw at me, isn't grief or despair or anything else. The number one thing that has the power to destroy me is my sin because it's the only thing that can separate me from God. And that comes at me like a lion. But there's a bigger lion that roars against my sin, that went to the cross, that took away its power. So the most significant thing that could ever destroy me is gone in the awesome name of Jesus. In his presence, I find my protection. In his presence, you find his protection. When you live in his presence, you remember it. And then when you praise, you begin to praise in chorus with the roar of that lion. The lion from the house of Judah. We roar with him. Psalm 23 verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. But don't call me Shirley. Sorry, that's like, if you've got an American accent, that's a really funny joke. I've got Jess Hegland right here. Ask her to read this verse for you. You'll be like, yeah, that joke was funny. <laughs> Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, as we find in his presence, I find my promise. I find my promise. Are there any Hamish and Andy fans here this morning? They were like Hamish and Andy. Like, it is a genuine highlight for me driving home. Those guys, they are actually hilarious. But one of the first times I ever saw Hamish and Andy, they were doing this thing called ghosting. Anyone remember ghosting? Anyone in their 30s, you're like, that was really funny. Like, was that 15 years ago? Something crazy. We're getting quite old. Anyway. Now, John, I need your help here for a moment. For those that haven't seen ghosting... Basically, the challenge that these two guys set up was that if you're in a park or something like that and someone's walking, you would kind of ghost behind them as close as you could without touching them, and whoever could do it for the longest period of time out of these two guys would be the winner. You guys kind of get that? So, so John's just going to demonstrate for a moment. So I'm just kind of doing my thing. I'm preaching, and John's going to follow suit. Could he, 
Did he handle the turn? Was that quite good? <laughs> that was quite good. All right, I need you to stay there. I need you to stay there. So, so here's the idea. This is what ghosting is. Following as closely as you can behind. You're, you're right there. You're right there in that moment. Now let's look at this promise here. Surely your goodness and love will what? It will follow. Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Now, here's something that happens. If this is my, my, my man, this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus, not John. You're pretty good, but you're not in that category. Now, this is my relationship with God. Now, you're not going to ghost me anymore. You're just going to stay there. And, and sometimes in my experience of life, whether I make choices or allow compromise or I simply just forget about the power of God's presence, I, I can move further and further away from who God is and go in different directions and do different things and get caught up in bad decisions or wrong choices or whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, I have a moment where where I think, what's happened to my connection with God? What's happened to the presence that once upon a time I knew in my life? And I think, oh, I've strayed so far. I've made so many bad decisions. Sins in my life in a way that's just not okay. God must be so, so far away. And in our minds and in our hearts, we believe that, that because of all the things in me, I'm completely separated from God, completely distant, completely separated, removed. And that when I want to turn back to him, I, I feel like I've got this journey that I've got to walk to get back into relationship with God. That, that somehow I've got to start making better decisions before God will be there for me. And when I can finally get everything together, then I can be back with God. But you know what the reality is that we see in Scripture? Surely His goodness, His love, His grace follows me every single step. So we're going to ghost again. We've got to ghost again. Because as I'm making my poor decisions, as I'm distancing myself from God in my mind, where is God? <laughs> He's right there. He's right there. He's waiting. And I continue. It's, it's going to happen again. As, as I continue... Continue moving. And I think, oh, God must be so far away from me. Jesus, I need you in this moment. <laughs> you better sit down. This is getting too romantic. <laughs> but the moment we turn back to God, where is he? He's right at my back because surely his goodness, his love, his grace, his mercy follows me every single day. So the moment I say, Jesus, I need you, spirit of the living God, fill me. Boom, he's right there. I thought he must be so far away, but he's been following me. Can I encourage you this morning, if you feel like there's distance between you and God, if you feel like there's been decisions or circumstances that have led you away from who God is, he's far closer than you realize. He's right there. And the moment you realize it, the moment you say, God, I need to get back in your presence, guess what? He never left. <laughs> That's my promise. That's the promise of his presence in my life, that he's following after me.
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's two parts to this statement. The first, as we've talked about, is the reality that God is always with us. He's always just waiting, no matter how far away we are from him in our minds and our hearts, he's always right there when we choose him. But then the question comes, okay, God's right there. What do I do with that? Where am I going to dwell? And the encouragement in Scripture, dwell in the presence of God. Remain in the presence of God. Live in the presence of God. Each new day, rise in the presence of God. Include the presence of God in every decision, in every moment. Dwell in Him. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. In Him you are new. That was quick, impressive. That wasn't planned, he was just onto it. In Him I will dwell, and when I dwell in Him, I'm made new. And then there's another part to this promise. A promise that goes beyond this life, isn't it? That the eternal condition of my soul has been provided for by my Saviour. That it's been protected by my Saviour. And I hold that as a promise. So that as I live each day of this life, say, God, I'll dwell in your presence. I'll dwell in your presence. And also I know that I'm going to dwell in your house forever. I invite the team to come back up. The presence of God is here in this place, sitting alongside us, standing behind you, maybe an arm around your shoulder. The presence of God is in this place. Can I remind you, that his provision is in his place. Could I remind you that his protection covers your life? Could I remind you that all of that is a promise from our faithful God? Can we stand together just for a moment? And even if this, even in this moment, if you feel comfortable why don't you just focus on God? Begin to pray a prayer in your heart, something like, Jesus, would you be here for me in this moment? Begin to pray, pray a prayer in your heart, something like, Jesus, I'm turning around to find you. Begin to pray a prayer in your heart that says, God, I need your provision in my life. Not just to be refreshed, but to be made new. I need your protection in my life to understand that no matter what I have to walk through, you walk through it with me. Jesus, help us to place our faith in the promise of that incredible psalm. Just now, as you're in this moment, we're going to worship our living God in just a moment. But if you'd love for me to include you in a specific prayer, and I just feel this for today, for that turning around moment, to know the presence of God renewed right now in this moment. Why don't you just lift your hand up, and I'd love to pray for you. That's awesome. And in fact, why don't you just leave your hand up if that's you? Not for my sake, but just stretched out to God. 
let me pray for you. Jesus, in this moment, we're turning around. God, I pray against the the deception that would say you're distant. And God, I pray that you would change something in our hearts so that we could see and feel and recognize your presence right here, right now with us. That God, you are not only with us, but you are for us. That Jesus, you stand against anything that would stand against us. That Jesus, you are mighty to save. Come on, begin to pray a prayer in your own heart and say, God, I want more of your presence. God, I need more of your presence. Begin to cry out in your soul and say, Jesus, be a part of my life. Maybe for the first time. Maybe to say, God, I've walked through the valley. I've maybe forgotten a bit about who you are, about the power of your presence. But it's time to wake up. Jesus, would your Holy Spirit be here in this moment, God, that we would feel the incredible presence of Jesus. We love you, God. We lift your name on high. And we're going to continue to praise you, Jesus, because of who you are, because of what you've done, because the strength we stand in, in our ever-present God. Come on, let's worship.